Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, produced by the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich. This podcast celebrates the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. Joining us on the podcast today is a terrific public servant. His name is Gustavo ALP, appointed to the United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit in October of 2021, and his resume is pretty impressive before that. He received an undergraduate degree from Brandeis University back in 1987 and his law degree from Suffolk University Law School in 1991. A native of Puerto Rico, he served as Solicitor General of Puerto Rico, was appointed as a magistrate judge in the District of Puerto Rico in 2001, and in 2006, President George W. Bush appointed him to the United States District Court for the District of Puerto Rico, where he served as Chief Judge from 2018 to 2021. Today, a story about a couple, Chet and Gertrude Webb, very familiar names here on Dyslexics Wanted, and the positive influence they had on Gustavo's life and career. Dr. Gertrude Webb, a leading pioneer in the field of learning disabilities and dyslexia. And Chet Webb, a lawyer's lawyer. Thank you for being with us today, Judge. And the first question for me is, did you always have a goal to be a lawyer, to be involved with the law? No. Interestingly, it was never in my mind when I got out of high school. My father was always a lawyer. I always saw him as a lawyer. But to me, it was that was just my dad. Uh, so I, I really didn't think about that. I was always very good uh I did really well in my history courses. I really enjoyed them. Uh, my grandfather had a huge library with history books, so I also read about U.S. history. Uh, I remember reading about the Civil War, the Spanish-American War. Uh, so I, I knew about history, but I, I never really thought I, I, I'd go into law. Uh, when I went to Brandeis my first year, uh, I took all the basic courses, and uh, you know, I had to take chemistry, math, uh, and I realized that uh, that's as far as I would probably get... <laughs> Uh, you know, in, in those areas, uh, because I had always been a good student, but there comes a point you, you know, you just can't go any further. Whereas, you know, when we came to humanities, history, other, other classes, I learned to take sociology. Uh, I was very interested in those things. And, you know, and I started studying and uh, ended up studying history. But it was not really until my senior year, I would say, or my junior year that I seriously considered, the, you know, applying to law school. The pressure for any student living away, maybe for the first time, maybe not, but living away on a college campus, you're in a different place with different mores and different students and different teachers. It has to be difficult, but you had the, uh, the, the opportunity to get to know the webs, both husband and wife, Gertrude and her husband. How did that come about? Well, that, that was pretty interesting. And, and I have to say, when I got to Brandeis my first year, I, I have to say, I, I did feel like a fish in the water. Uh, I like the campus. It's not a huge school of like 30,000, 40,000 students. It's, it's like a little microcosm. Uh, and I did make friends quickly. So I, I, I did feel at home. Uh, and, and I had a pretty good first year. What happened when I met the Webs? Uh, it was my second year. And for some reason, uh, I had not really paid much attention to uh, getting housing. So I, was, I did not get on campus housing. I, let the, I went back to Puerto Rico for the summer. And then when I got back... Uh, to Waltham, uh, and actually I was in Boston for like a, one week before, and I said, I have to look for housing now. Uh, and I started looking around, and I, I saw this little ad at the, at the so I, I guess in the, uh, you know, the rec, rec center, mm -hmm. uh, and said that uh, it was a, a, a room in, in Waltham, uh, room and board, uh, and basically uh, all that was needed in exchange was a few hours of helping out which eventually turned out to be that uh, Mr. Webb had had some heart surgery and some heart issues before that, 
Uh, so he needed somebody to be around the house, uh, maybe do a little bit of heavy work, <laughs> clean during the weekends. Uh, when he was alone also, uh, Dr. Webb sometimes had to travel uh, so somebody could stay with him. So that was kind of like the arrangement. Uh, so uh, and, I, and it was like walking distance from the law school. Uh, I mean, not from the law school, from Brandeis. Uh, so uh, I, I, I ended up interviewing with them. I, I, I guess <laughs> they liked me. Uh, they had a very interesting, uh, I think, uh, decision-making process because being from Puerto Rico, for them, it was an opportunity to learn something new. I know they had had a student, I think, from Brazil many years before, uh, and uh, they always mentioned that. So I think it was an opportunity for them to learn about where I, I came from and everything, and, uh, you know, and that's how it all started. That, that was uh, the fall, of, or actually the late summer of 1984. So as you're getting to know Dr. Webb and her husband, you're learning about their professional experience and the the impact that certainly Dr. Webb had. And were you aware of uh, how impactful she was at the time in education? So I, I had no idea until probably my second semester. We started talking more about what she was doing. I became more interested. Uh, at beginning, uh, I think the, I, I, I kind of clicked a little bit more. I, I clicked with them, I have to say. But I, I did speak more with, uh, with Chet, Mr. Webb, uh, and, and actually it was the first time uh, he, he mentioned Suffolk Law School where I, where I ended up going. And he would tell me I went to Suffolk Law. Uh, my daughter's at Suffolk Law hiding, who was maybe three, four classes ahead of me at Suffolk Law. And I, something clicked, but I didn't pay much attention until mm-hmm. maybe two years later when I was considering law school. Uh, but uh, I, I would spend time with them you know, in, in the afternoons or evenings after I would study. Uh, and, and just talk to them. Uh, and I, I knew she was uh, very busy. She, uh, she would, I know she would be going to Milton every day to go to Curry College. Uh, she was uh, really into the dyslexia, uh, helping students out. Uh, and, 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 and I believe the center was probably, at Curry College was created or established maybe around that time. I think I, I may have actually been there uh, I, I don't know the precise year. It, it, yeah, if I can jump in, I was a graduate of Curry. I was not part of the program, the PAL program, but I believe it was the early 70s or so because it was in place in 76, give or okay, take so a few I've years. So I've been in place, but for some reason, I remember I went with her and, and, and Chet one time because she was getting some award or recognition or the center was being named after her. So I did go there, and that's where it, it kind of clicked. I said, this is very interesting. You know, this <laughs> this is a woman who's, taking the best care in the world of her husband. She also took care, she was the tutor for uh, one of her brothers who had been in World War II as a veteran, would always be around the house. She had six kids, she had I don't know how many grandkids, uh, and she was always in charge of the family, she was always taking care of them. Uh, and then to say, you know, oh my God, you know, she's doing so many other things. <laughs> when she leaves in the morning, you know, she, she's got something else. So I, I did become more interested, and I, I, I guess I started asking her questions. She would tell me stories about, you know, how did your day go, how did my day go? Uh, and I, I started really becoming interested uh, uh, about her work, uh, and uh, it, was, it had a lot of impact, and maybe not immediately, but when I became a judge, and I guess we'll go to that later, uh, but one of the things is that, you know, she would always talk about her students, and it was the same thing about her family and every individual person. She would value the dignity of every human being, and to her, somebody who had dyslexia was just another person, and let's help that person out because that person is going to go far in life, and that's what we, we right. saw. And, and, uh, you know, that, that to me was very important because as, as a judge, as a human being, as a father, you know, you, you know, nobody is perfect, but you try to make the best you can and you try to right. 
help people as much as you can. And, uh, and she was a great example of that. Uh, she was also involved in, uh, in the community. Uh, I learned that she had you know, been uh, on the Waltham Board uh, of Education at some point before that. Uh, she was also uh, a Democrat, and she was uh, very involved in, 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 in that also. Uh, so it, it was very interesting to see, you know, and, and we're talking about early 80s. Uh, you know, women, not like today, you see more women in, in top positions all, all around. But in those days, you know, and, and somebody like her would raise an entire family, it was not the common thing to see. And, and, and it was really a role model and inspiration, uh, you know, to see her. And I have to say Mr. Webb as well, because after having gone through, I think, one or two heart attacks and all the surgery, he was still going to work probably every day and suiting up to, to work. And he was enjoying it. So they both really enjoyed their profession. And they must have been like probably in their early to mid-60s around that time. You can't help when you're living with people like this through osmosis to sort of absorb some of their energy. It sounds like that happened with you. I, I was wondering what you knew of dyslexia, if anything, before you met the webs and before you got to know this. Most people are, they've heard the word maybe by now, but they're kind of oblivious as to what it's all about. Was that the case with you? Well, I, I had had some friends who I knew had dyslexia, uh, and this was probably when I was like seventh or eighth grade, but they would tell me uh, that, you know, when they were you know, toddler or first, second grade, they had issues. Uh, so they had to go to specialists and a, a therapist to help them with the dyslexia. But those who had it, uh, you know, they, they graduated with me from, from high school. And then in college, I, I met other folks who would tell me, oh, I had dyslexia when I was a child. Uh, so I, you know, it, it, it was something that, that, came to my attention is, you know, there's probably so many people who have it. And then when you grow up, it's not an issue, uh, but you have to treat it. You have to, you know, uh, take, you know, mm. give the, these children or, you know, these, these folks, because there's probably older folks also who have the issue, you know, how can we help them out? And that's what with Mrs. Webb was so, so much into it. It was, it was very important for her. Being a judge, and that's a big part of who you are, your identity. It's always interesting to see how our life experiences as young people shape our later years and our careers and our direction. And you sort of alluded that you might have learned some some things about life from the just living with the webs and being around them. Well, I, I learned a, I learned a lot, and that's something very interesting what you say because when you're growing up, particularly your you know, preteen years, your teen years, your early college years, you're learning a lot. Your, your brain is like a sponge. And sometimes you just don't realize how much you're learning until later in life. <laughs> you say, oh, I learned this 20, 30 years ago. And mm. it's, it's, it's so helpful. It, it, it changed my life without me even knowing it. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's the beautiful part of the story. <laughs> There's a beautiful follow-up. There's several follow-ups because I know when you came back to town to visit after you graduated, after you had the law degree and started working, uh, you would get together with them. But uh, Heidi, the the daughter of Gertrude and Chet, wrote me and she said, when Chessie, her daughter, was in the third grade, you invited her to lead the Pledge of Allegiance at a very special ceremony. You remember what that was? Yeah, that was a naturalization ceremony. Uh, that was in 2007, uh, and it was in Faneuil Hall. And it was very special. There were about 400 uh, new citizens got sworn in that day. Uh, and just being there was amazing because to my right or my left is the bust of John Adams. To my other side is John Quincy Adams. And I was saying to myself, this is where the founding fathers used to meet. Uh, you know, th th this is incredible just doing that. And uh, what and uh, what I wanted to do is always what I've done as a judge naturalization ceremonies, I'd like to get the community involved. 
Uh, so I invited, you know, I, I was in touch with Mrs. Webb and I said, you know, and, and, and Heidi, I said, would your daughter like to do the Pledge of Allegiance? And by the way, uh, why doesn't she bring her her, uh, her her elementary school class? So they all went there. Uh, she did the Pledge of Allegiance. She did so well. I remember I said, can you do it again? Uh, and, and everybody <laughs> did the Pledge of Allegiance twice. And then the students from her, her school just sang, I, I think, the Star Spangled Banner and one or two other very patriotic songs. So it was, a, it was a beautiful experience. And I remember after it was over, we were in a little room. Uh, I was getting unrobed, and Mrs. Webb went in. I, I do have a photo somewhere, uh, stored somewhere, if I can find it. But I remember her coming in, and, and, and you know, she's like, Gus, I'm so proud of you. And she gave me, like, the best bear hug <laughs> ever. Uh, and and, you know, and that, that, that really touching, because I, I, I felt like, you know, you know, this is one of my pupils in life, and look at him now. Uh, and he's doing something for, for us. He's doing something for the nation, for, for people who work very hard to become U.S. citizens. And uh, so it was, it was a very special day. And then, uh, and uh, you know, so uh, right. and I know Chessie's now graduated and has a master's degree. So I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm feeling the years. Well, it, it's, uh, it's a great uh, example of paying it forward. And mentorship is so important in life. We all need them, whether we know it or not. And we all can mentor and uh, you've uh, as a judge and as uh, an administrator and as as a defender a public defender I mean you've made it your career choice to to help people and uh, to work diligently to be fair and I think uh, of all the interviews I've done about Dr. Webb and about the program it's always about listening to people giving them a chance giving them an opportunity to be heard and I know that's important when you're a judge to weigh decisions like that you want to comment on that special art definitely uh i was originally appointed in, in 2006 uh by uh by president bush and i became a u.s district judge so district judges are the trial judges uh and until 2021 when president biden uh, appointed me uh, a u.s circuit judge uh i was involved in, in civil and criminal matters but in criminal matters i presided, I think, over 70 jury trials, uh, most, most of them criminal, I would say, or at least two-thirds. Uh, but I also, when I was compiling all the information for, for my Senate confirmation hearing in 2021, I did not know I had sentenced so many people, but I had sentenced over 4,000 individuals over a period of 15 years. Uh, and to me, so sentencing for any judge is the most difficult part of, of, of anybody's uh, judicial career. I, I, I would say, uh, as Mrs. Webb told me by... <laughs> taught me by example. Uh, you have to respect the dignity of every human being. Uh, I have had people who appeared before me uh, who are, grew up with zero opportunities and all they had to do with, uh, was engage in crime and sell drugs and traffic arms. Uh, but you, you know, and, and they have to be punished. But at the same time, you have to look at everybody individually. And you have to look at all aggravating factors when you sentence somebody, but you also look at mitigating factors. Uh, and and, and what, particularly when you have discretion, you know, sometimes federal sentences have mandatory minimums of 10, sometimes 20 years. But after that, it's up to life. And how much should I give this person after the person's going to serve a sentence? He's going to go on supervision. What programs, uh, you know, should he be able to take within the supervision so he can go on in society one day? Uh, and, you know, it's uh, you, you try to help within, you know. Obviously, you, as a judge, you have an obligation to uphold and defend the Constitution and law of the United States. But within your discretion, it is so hard. You have to uh, individually sentence everybody. And uh, there were 
not everybody, uh, but there were many individuals over the years. I was able to sentence probationary sentences, give them an opportunity. And I have to say, of all those probationary sentences that I gave, uh, and again, these are nonviolent crimes usually. It's mm. uh, people sometimes with addiction problems uh, many times. But a lot of these people were able to you know, recover what they once had or never had. Uh, and make a life. And, and it's it's so nice when every once in a while you run into somebody and uh, the person says, Judge, you may not remember me. You sentenced me back in 2007. You know, I did seven years, uh, but now I have a family. I graduated, you know, when I was in, in, in the federal prison system, I was able to get my GD. Then I, I went to undergrad. Now I have a master's degree. I'm a social worker. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Uh, and, and, and I feel, you know, I, I, I guess I must have been my purpose in life. Judge, if I can jump in here to tie this all together, one of the mitigating factors, and I think Dr. Webb and her work really brought this to bear, is the fact that so many incarcerated individuals uh, can't read or have difficulty reading or have dyslexic well, that, issues. That definitely, uh, you know, I don't want to come with like particular statistics, but it, it's a large number. Uh, and when they're actually in the Bureau of Prisons uh, serving their sentences, sometimes in pretrial uh, you know, detention or sometimes even pretrial release. Not everybody gets detained. But one of the things we, as a judge, I would make sure that they, they would continue to do is continue studying, get an education. Uh, many times they're evaluated for the first time by a psychologist uh, or, or some social worker or, or some other professional. And that's when they realize, oh, you know, this, this, this person's like, you know, it reminds me a lot of like Rocky Balboa, the first Rocky movie. Rocky couldn't read. You know, he's with Adrian and he meets her. He's trying to read a book and he can't read. Uh, that's the situation. And you could see it when I took the, the pleas, when I was going to sentence somebody, I said, have you read this? And they said, you know, you know, I can't really understand it. So you have to explain more. Uh, but it, it is true. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, and, and, you know, sending anybody to prison, even for a day or for life, whatever it is, it's, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, when you have to do it, uh, you make sure that even if it's going to be a punitive sentence, you're also going to have a rehabilitative portion to that sentence. Uh, and again, uh, there are many, many success stories. Unfortunately, success stories, we see them every once in a while in a, uh, you know, on TV or something else. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we see more not successful right. stories we, we, <laughs> because that's what sells. We don't herald those as we should. I couldn't agree more. Everything, the education, the dedication, the hard work, uh, the life experience, all together. And then you add in the experience of living with these two amazing people these two tiny people, by the way, I met them both, and they were very uh, small in stature physically, but huge. She was maybe 5'2", maybe she was uh, <laughs> about 4'11", although they had some, I, I met some of their children, who I, th I think one of their, their sons was taller than I am. I'm about <laughs> over 50. So, you know, I, I guess he had, they had some genes up there. <laughs> in closing, let's have you just sum up again, uh, just one man's experience a man who's gone on to do important things for the country. This experience that you had in Waltham, Massachusetts, at that wonderful college, Brandeis, and why it still stays with you today, just to wrap up. Well, those, those are basically the best times of anybody's life. <laughs> you're, you're studying. Uh, my dad was helping me out with college. Uh, so it was, it was a really beautiful time. I, I was learning. Uh, I was taking courses that, you know, it's basically after your first year, it's all electives. You're learning about different fields. Uh, and actually living in Waltham, when I lived with the Webbs, they lived, it was 105 Edgewater Drive. It was right at the little lake. Uh, and it was just beautiful. You could see, you know, nature out there at its best. Uh, and uh, we would just sometimes walk around and talk and enjoy. Uh, so 
again, it's it's one of these moments in my life I will never forget, uh, and I hope that you know in the future I can serve as a mentor to somebody. I'm actually probably close to the age they were <laughs> when I met them. I was telling that to Heidi the other day. We were about your, your folks' age when I met them. Uh, but but I think they're you know it, it's something that you know helping out uh, and, and, and and getting young people and, and not so young people. There's always there's always room to learn. Uh, and, and that's what I learned from both Chet and, and Gert. Well, we've learned a lot from you and continue to benefit from your experience and wisdom and kindness. Thank you so much, Judge Helpy, for joining us today. Thank you. My, my pleasure. And thanks for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Please feel free to contact us at our new web address, dyslexicswanted.org. That's dyslexicswanted.org. We welcome guest or topic suggestions. We want to share your story. Dyslexics Wanted is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia.